Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, if you are in business, if you are an entrepreneur with any kind of solid business that is growing and growing and growing, there is little doubt that you are working with employees. And regardless of whether you've got one employee or whether you've got a hundred employees, the engagement of those employees is vital to the success of your business. And that is issue is what we're going to be looking at today, guys. Did you actually know that only 13% of employees worldwide are engaged? 13%, that is unbelievable. And to help me challenge that issue today and to provide some fantastic actionable advice to help overcome that in your business is an author, a consultant, a speaker, and the founder of Host Leadership, Mr. Mark McCurgow. Welcome, sir. Hi there, Mark. Great to be with you today. Oh, I mean, what a fantastic topic. That statistic, Mark, is unbelievable. 13%, 13% of employees worldwide are engaged. I mean, it's astounding, isn't it? And you wonder how the world manages to keep going, but it does. And I remember, remember back to my early days, I used to work in the electricity industry about 30 years ago. Um, and uh, there, there was the whole thing seemed to be that people were deliberately not engaged. So they, you know, so nobody, nobody would have to work very hard. You know, and it was a strange, strange old world in those days where, where you know, everyone knew their place and did their own little bit. And, and there was no kind of sense of be wanting to be plugged in and more and more involved. And that's just how it was. But I think what we've seen over the last three decades or so, what I've seen is the rise in the importance of getting results from people. And you don't get that by hitting them over the head with a stick, basically. Um, and engagement such a crucial, a crucial thing. And yet, somehow, these organizations are out there managing to get on maybe with moderate engagement. But wouldn't it be great if you could go from moderate engagement to good engagement to fantastic engagement? And think of how much more juice and, and excitement and energy uh, and input and ideas and innovation we could get from people in that kind of organization. Well, it would just be a, such a better, better world for everyone involved. And actually, we're going to dig into that in a moment. And, you know, we're really going to take that apart. We're going to figure out what is engagement and what's causing the problem and what we can do as employers to get over that problem. But for now, I just actually want to paint you in some context, sir. What is it that host leadership does and what is the journey that you've been on to get where you are today? Well, as I said, I started off in the electricity industry 30 years ago on a nuclear power station. Uh, I was a physicist then. And these days I introduced myself as a recovering physicist <laughs> and uh, I'm getting better slowly. Um, and I moved into uh, management and management consulting around the time of electricity privatization, which was the late 1980s, as older listeners will remember, and got gripped with the idea of organizational change and how do we do it? Because we started doing it in the electricity industry and I loved it. It's much more interesting than physics. And so over the last 25 years, I've been bringing in new ideas to the world of management. Um, I'm probably best known for work I've done over the last... 15 years or so on the ideas of solution-focused coaching and solution-focused practice and how that comes into the world of management. And I wrote the first business book on that topic, which was originally an approach to therapy, but it's caught on very big in the coaching and uh, organizational change, team-building worlds. 
And my uh, last decade has been spent researching the idea of host leadership, the leader as a host. And what happens if we look at the metaphor of hosting and then transport that into leadership? And what do you get? The, the short answer is you get a fantastically effective mindset for leadership that produces engagement, performance, and results. Uh, and it's a, a been an astonishing ride over the last 10 years of research, meeting great leaders, meeting great hosts, and thinking about how this is at one point very practical and at another point extremely profound because it's about rethinking our relationship with the people who are working for us in a very natural way. And I think the good news is that everyone will find that it's not as difficult as all that. Actually, we're, we're probably a bit of a way along the journey to start with. But once we get aware of where we are on the journey, we can do more, consciously build on it, and actually move things on pretty quickly. That's such a diverse background. When I asked you that question, I did not expect the answer, nuclear physicist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's, it, there, aren't, there aren't many of them needed these days, unfortunately. But, uh, but it's, uh, you know, physics gives you a good background for everything. So, uh, so kids, do your exams. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I have, I have a confession to make. Physics was my favourite uh, subject at school, so I'm with you on that one, sir. <laughs> Let's just talk about the word engagement for a second, because engagement, much like innovation, is thrown around so, so much in business, and especially for people that listen to podcasts or delve into personal development, you know, as a leader. It's a word that we come across so, so much that actually often it can lose its meaning. So in your world, let's just sum up, what is engagement for an employer? Well, I think of engagement as to do with having more connection with people than simply doing what it says on their job description. Um, you know, there was a, a, the old idea of a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, and I'm not against that at all. It's very important underpinning of everything else. But you don't just hire people. Think back to the, 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 the you know, hundreds of years ago. You used to go down to the marketplace and hire a labourer to do a day's work, and then you go down the next day and hire another labourer to do the same, you know, similar day's work. And it didn't matter who the labourer was because they'd all do about the same amount of day's work and they were disposable um chattels if you like so the relationship in that in that situation doesn't matter now engagement is about what you can get by starting to think that the relationship matters people are not just cogs that can be switched in and out for each other uh, the relationship that we have with the people who are working for us is not only a bit of icing on the cake which i think people maybe thought 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Actually, it's it's the cake. It's really what makes everything work. Uh, and if we don't have engaged people, you might as well just have um, uh, have folks sitting around and having a coffee because because they aren't going to be delivering for you on the on the joint project that you all have. And so engagement is about this connection with uh, not just the work but the broader enterprise. The, you know, the mission or whatever, the purpose of the company. Uh, what are we all trying to do here? Uh, and that, in a way, is something that you can't teach people. You can encourage them to join in with it, but uh, it's really true that you can teach people all sorts of skills, but you can't teach them enthusiasm, <laughs> enthusiasm for what you're doing. And uh, so I think engagement is around, uh, for me anyway, is this this bit about, 
what's the relationship aside of the skills and everything that people bring to work in their in their professional capacities what's the relationship that helps us connect that helps us to make the most of what everybody's bringing one of the things that i found in my decade of research about host leadership was this interesting study from the university of bath so the so-called black box study by john purcell professor john purcell and he did a lot of work around what helps to create an effective company and the answer is basically employee engagement because and it seems that employee engagement is the secret source that makes everything else work and you can have great hr policies and you can have a great you know remuneration policies and you have a great mission and you can have uh, great premises you know and a great team but if you don't have engagement none of that will really produce the fruits that it could and should. Whereas if we have engagement in terms of relationship, then everything else can flow from that. I think all of that is is something that we see day in, day out now. I think there's a there's been a big cultural shift in business, hasn't there, around, you know, really empowering employees to to do something that they're passionate about. And actually, you know, the degrees that we see, we see the graduate schemes, we see, you know, all of this kind of academia around but actually more and more people are starting to focus on the passion and the culture when actually trying to hire employees is that a trend that you're seeing in your experience absolutely absolutely right and um i think people have become much more aware now that the, the, the mission of the company the you know what's the purpose of the enterprise is really important and uh, i'm based in london and here we i see you know very smart graduates queuing up to work for nothing for organizations that have inspiring purposes uh, non-governmental bodies and environmental charities and social enterprises there's people lining up around the block to work for hardly anything for those companies because they get fired up by what they're doing whereas if you want to be i suspect if you're a cardboard box manufacturer in the west midlands i suspect it's a bit more difficult to sort of engage people and and fire them up but i think it's possible um and so also, people, I think, have much more knowledge now about what's going on. They have more choice in a way. We can see a million opportunities out there on the Internet in five seconds. Um, so the balance has shifted from people simply going to work for the main employer in the town to having much more choice. But that means that as employers and perhaps proto-employers, entrepreneurs who be listening to this, we've got to think even more carefully about what are we offering people and how are we going to engage? Maybe we've only got two or three coming to work for us. It's really, really important that those two or three are the right ones, guys, because they're going to be the nucleus of what you're going to be creating in the future. And that relationship and of engagement that we have with those, with those people is absolutely vital. It's such an interesting problem for entrepreneurs. And, you know, anyone that's growing their business, it's very, very difficult. And from an employer's perspective, you know, we're going to get to the actionable tips, but let's just talk around kind of mindsets. Let's just talk about that idea of being the boss are those walls being broken down much more than they were in the past? You know, is that hierarchy starting to crumble a little bit? Yeah, yes, I think so, broadly. Um, but what, what we what's not starting to crumble as yet, and I'm hoping to chip away at it a bit in this conversation, um, is the idea the idea of the leader as a hero. And entrepreneurs, and I'm one of them, I suppose, too, as are you. You know, we are, because you're starting something up, you start by seeing yourself as the hero. I'm the one who's going to make it happen. And I think in entrepreneurism, that's absolutely vital because, of course, it's true. 
you are the one that's going to make it happen. Uh, and you have to, you start off with your idea and your passion and your, and your business concept, and you want to get out there and make it happen. And you work, you know, a million hours a week. And, and it's for many entrepreneurs, this is an, an absolute focused, uh, focused endeavor. It takes up your whole life. And that's probably how it should be as an entrepreneur. But then this moment comes when you want to start engaging other people. And of course, you can continue to think of yourself in the mindset of the hero. Um, but what happens then is something rather subtle. You get, if you're acting the hero, you tend to attract people who like to follow heroes. Yeah. And so that means that rather often, you know, the more that you tell people what to do, the happier they are to do it. Um, because that they've seen you for the sort of person you are. And, and that's, and some people quite like that. Um, if you want people just to be sheep and do what you tell them to, well, fine. But I think that's not going to be building your business in the long run, folks. Because what you're going to be wanting is people who will not just do what they're taught, but actually will think of new things to do and bring in new ideas and bring in new thoughts and expand things on their own back uh, as well as uh, under your instruction. So, and if we think back to the hero in history, you know, the hero of you know, um, Batman, for example, or the hero in the Greek classics, uh, the hero is the person who turns up and saves the day uh, and you know, who knows what to do, who sorts it out, who works harder than anybody else, who knows more than anybody else and can sort it all out. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but the, if we look at the other end of that, what's the relationship implied by the hero? Well, the relationship is the hero, he saves people, he rescues people. So the, the other people in the hero story are the rescued people. And you see this a bit in some, a few business books, you know, that sort of how I saved company X or company Y. Usually it's by gumming in and beating them overhead until they did what I tell them. Now, that's for a turnaround situation. That may be okay. But for a startup situation and for uh, something that wants to grow, I don't think that's really good uh, because you're not going to be getting the most out of people. Uh, you're not going to be engaging people and you're not going to be getting people to give it their best. And so it is about a mindset change to start with. And it's not always easy as an entrepreneur uh, moving into expanding a company to change that mindset, which is where, as we'll see, the metaphor of the host is going to come in because that's going to offer us the alternative mindset. I think that's really interesting. I love that analogy with the hero. You know, I think that is something that personally I can really relate to that, you know, coming from being a, a one man to a three man to a five to a 10 and kind of becoming the manager of people, if you like, and, and actually having that mentality of, well, I deliver this and I get this work and then I produce the work and suddenly you, you need to let go of some of that control and you do need to stop being that hero. So I've never really thought about it like that. So straight away, I can relate to that and I can see how that would, without a doubt, help. And as through my own research and my own development, you know, as I started to let go of that, I've seen employees flourish, you know, people with talents that would never have come out had I continued to stifle them. So I think, you know, for you guys listening out there, that's something to really step back and, and think about. And Mark, just one thing I want to pick up on there is that, you know, we, we understand that entrepreneurs sometimes can be a little bit like that. They can have this whole... Story. No, I think it's vital that they are. <laughs> that's, that, that's the difficulty, Mark. 
Uh, when you're starting off, you've got to you've got to be the hero. You have, but then that means that some people are really great entrepreneurs, but they're they're hopeless at growing businesses. So they get very good at selling them on early. But but if you really want to grow your business, then you have got to start thinking about this mindset shift. Um, and uh, as I say, I think the good news is it's not as hard as you might suspect once you've got a couple of clues. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I really, really wholeheartedly agree with the idea that entrepreneurs need that fire. They need that passion. They almost need that obsessive control in nature to be able to move things forward at the pace that they expect of themselves. And I think that it's really interesting, that transition. I'm really, really interested to dig into that. And one thing I just want to pick up on before we do dive into uh, in, into that section is really, if you let your employees breathe, if you actually be the host, you know, we're going to talk about how to do that later. What can the results be for a business? How can that really help you flourish? Oh, you start to get things that you didn't expect. I mean, the best, if you're the hero and you're telling everybody what to do, the best that can happen is that you get what you hope for because you know everything. So you know what you're hoping for. And if everybody really works hard, you'll deliver that. When you start to let people breathe, as you put it, and start to act in a more host-like way, where your role is to bring people together around a common objective uh, or mission, as opposed to know everything about it. All of a sudden, things start appearing at the table that you didn't know about. You know, different ideas, other possibilities, uh, routes that you hadn't uh, thought of, routes that you had thought of, but now you can see in a new way. Uh, and so all of a sudden, it stops being you. You're not the one that's lugging the big ball up the hill, you know, and sweating yourself out. You've actually got other people pushing the ball. And the ball's getting, in a way, more interesting and smaller and more maneuverable um, uh, and everything else like that. So so you start to, all of a sudden, this sort of, it can be a feeling of scariness, but it can also be a feeling of great relief. That actually, you know, I don't have to think of everything before it will happen. There are other ways that ideas and input can come into my business. And it can be through these people who I'm getting to know and trust. I think that's so, so vital, so, so powerful to actually let people breathe. I think we all do it, as you say, as entrepreneurs and people that have, you know, set up a, a, or founded a fledgling business. It is very difficult to see things outside of your own spectrum. And when you do, it is amazing what happens. So I totally agree with that. I think that's fantastic. And what we're going to do now, Mark, is actually dive in to the famous Excellence Expected Actionable Tips section. And Mark, I know you spent uh, spent some time putting together three high quality tips for people that really want to start engaging their employees so much more. So what's the first tip you've got to share, please, Mark? So the first tip is to think of yourself as a host and not a hero. Um, so we talked about the hero, uh, the counterpart being the rescued people. With a host, of course, a host is somebody who receives and entertains guests. And we think of hosting these days as I mean, inviting people around to your house for a party. That would be hosting. Um, so the other people in the relationship are, your, are the guests. And a host doesn't mean anything without guests and vice versa. And we all know how to host at some level. So what happens when you start to think of yourself as a host and then think of your colleagues, people, as your guests? And we all know that when we invite people into our house, yes, of course, we've done a huge amount of planning 
for the, the party. And we've got we decided what sort of party we want. We've sent out invitations and we've got food and drinking perhaps and we've got and we move the furniture around and everything's set up. So we've worked really hard to set things up. And then when people arrive, we kind of let them into the space and let them start to breathe and enjoy themselves and do the thing that they've been invited to come and do, to some extent under their own steam. So having thinking of people as guests uh, usually involves allowing them some more freedom uh, within the space that you've created. So it's, you're not handing stuff over to them, but your role is to create the space. Their role is to come in and make the most of it um, with your help from time to time. So think of yourself as if you were people inviting, when people are coming into your offices or whatever it is, think of it, if, they were, if this was a party, what would you be doing? And the answer is probably you'd start to get there earlier and make sure that it was all set up for them. And then you'd be very, very enthusiastic when they arrived. Um, and then you'd have some kind of thing for them to get engaged with that you wouldn't be totally controlling. And, uh, of course, hosting comes in different ways to different people. And then one of the interesting bits of research uh, I did in this 10 years of talking to hosts and leaders is that, of course, hosting looks different in different parts of the world, in different cultures. And leadership also looks different in different parts of the world, in different cultures. So it's a very flexible thing, this idea. Hosting in China means different things to hosting in the United States, means different things to hosting in South America, and so on. Um, but if you look at how leadership evolves in those places, there's connections with that too. So first tip, think of yourself as a host rather than a hero and think of your colleagues as your guests and see what that does to what you think you should be doing and giving your priority to. I love that idea. And I, what I really like about that is that it's not, it's not anything major. It is a mindset opportunity and it's not something that you need to spend so long preparing for. You can implement this in varying degrees right from the get-go, can't you? That's right. And because we all know something about hosting, we can all immediately somehow put that hat on, the host's hat on, and start to let it impact what, we, what we're thinking about and what we're making a priority. But the good news is that uh, there's lots and lots of ways you can learn to be a better host. And indeed, I've collected them up in my book, my new book, which came out at the end of last year, um, which is called Host, Six New Roles of Engagement for Teams, Organizations, Communities and Movement uh, with Helen Bailey, my co-author. And we've kind of distilled all sorts of stuff from around the world about how to be a good host and therefore a good leader into this one uh, modest book. So even though we've got something to start with, we can very rapidly expand our repertoire and expand our thinking on this. So, so powerful. And guys, don't forget that I'll, uh, I'll be sure to put a link to Mark's book in the show notes so you can click directly on that link to grab your copy. And actionable tip number two, please, sir. Well, having started to think of yourself as the host, uh, the next thing is to uh, balance stepping forward and stepping back. Balance stepping forward and stepping back. And we sometimes think that heroes are the people who step forward. And uh, it's great that people step forward. You know, when something needs to be done, somebody needs to step forward and get on with it. Um, but if you're, the, if you're stepping forward all the time, then there's no space for anybody else. So if you want to develop engagement, then you have to learn sometimes to step back instead. So this is rather like the, you know, I talked about earlier, the host organizing the, the room for the party. 
and you bring people into the room that you, you step forward and organize that room and, and sort it out very carefully. When people arrive, you bring them in, you introduce them to each other, and then you step back. Because you can't control the party by controlling what everybody does all the time. At least it wouldn't be a pretty very good party if you did. <laughs> um, it, it's much more about, you know, you set people up and then you let them get on with it. And But, of course, does that mean you're not interested in what they're doing or, or no? You're, you're sort of watching from somewhere else. And in the book we call this uh, being in the gallery, uh, watching from afar and thinking, well, how's it going? Uh, are things going well? Do I need to step forward again and nudge them in a different direction or are we okay to let it go? So this idea of stepping forward and then stepping back, this dance of forward and back, forward and back, is central to hosting and I think it's central to good leadership as well uh, where other people are getting engaged. That is very, very curious. I love the idea of very subtly directing things when you see they need directing, but actually letting them breathe as well. And I think that's something that we can all implement at varying degrees. Again, this is what I love about these tips is that it's nothing that you can implement straight away. So this is so, so good. And the third and final tip, please, sir. So as the host, when you're uh, organizing a party, you don't tell people to come to it. You invite them. And in the management literature, this is sometimes called soft power. There's power of influence, the power of invitation, the power of reaching out and hand of welcome. So, and I think we can learn an awful lot from this by thinking and acting invitationally rather than directorially. And what that means is that when you're uh, saying you're going to have a meeting about something, perhaps, you invite people to it um, as if you're inviting them to a party. You don't say be there at nine or else you get the sack. That's not very, not very charming sort of thing. It's we're having this meeting about this new product at nine o'clock tomorrow. It's going to be a really good meeting because we've got X and Y and Z are all coming. And we've got the people coming from the outside uh, design agency as well. And I really want you to be there because you know about the aspects of uh, marketing and delivery uh, in our organization. And I really, really like you to come. Are you, will, you, will you come? And there are three elements in that invitation, Mark. There's the, uh, this is going to be a great thing. What am I inviting you to? Why I'd like you to be there. What contribution am I expecting and hoping that you will be able to give? And then choice. It's a choice. Would you like to come? And, of course, when people say yes in response to an invitation, they already put some of themselves into it. They already make a commitment into it. Whereas if you just send them a thing that says turn up at nine o'clock, they may or may not turn up, but they may or may not turn up very enthusiastically. And they may just be very, very disengaged. And I was just chatting to a, a guy in the States at a conference who's uh, made meetings optional in his company. It's a very, very startling idea, this, saying all meetings are optional. <laughs> and, uh, you know, come if you want to and you think you can contribute. And if you don't think that, then don't come. And he says it's really startling. And you go from, you know, a room full of people who are vaguely engaged to half a room full of people who are absolutely engaged. And the energy of the room goes through the roof when that happens. Um, and so this idea of, it's called soft power, power invitation, is not soft at all. It's very, very interesting. It's very, very challenging. But I think it's a, a central element that we can all uh, tap into. This idea of invite rather than instruct give choice rather than direct, and, and then what you get is more commitment, more involvement, more engagement. And it ultimately makes anyone that you're working with 
feel more valuable and have more responsibility placed on them, which obviously people, people don't turn up to work to underperform. They want to feel valued. So I love the idea of, of inviting them into anything, you know, in, inviting them into a collaboration, into a meeting, into a client session. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So Mark, thank you so much for those tips. They are very, very, very powerful. And just before we wrap up the show, would you mind telling people where they can connect with you online, please? sir? Absolutely. So uh, our website is hostleadership.com, hostleadership, all one word, dot com. Uh, you'll find there uh, lots of um, information about the book, there's videos of me uh, speaking about it and interviewing other people. Uh, there's a community section where you can get involved in discussions around these topics uh, and a whole load of interesting stuff uh, and also connections to my other books and other, other work as well there. So hostleadership.com is definitely the place and host by Mark McCogo and Helen Bailey is definitely the book. Thank you ever so much for that, sir. And to you guys listening out there, don't forget that you can head to excellence-expected.com where I'll be sure to put links to everything myself and Mark have spoken about today. And obviously, as ever, whilst you're over there, you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. Thank you so much once again for listening. And don't forget, guys, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.